Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. What? Hey, this is Jay Weinberg from Slipknot, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 128. And we're going to do a little commentary back to the OG album, Kill Them All. The one that started it all. Started it all. It did. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I, I don't often listen to this record uh, as much as I do like Hardwired or Black Album or something like that. So I'm excited to dive into it again. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. It might be because I've just heard it for so many years. Uh, lately, I've been dipping into like '90s, 2000s mm-hmm. for the most part. Right when I do put Metallica on, but um, yeah, every once in a while I'll throw this record on. You know, it's a. I think it's a great record. I think that uh, like we've talked about in the last few episodes, the progression from this to Red Lightning is so drastic. Um, I just love Lightning and Puppets so much more. Yeah, but o- other than Saint Anger, it's also probably my least listened to record. Yeah. It will be fun also, too. Like, we've been doing these Anthrax records and, like, exploring the Big Four to be... It's interesting to maybe try to put on a different hat and listen through to it. Like, imagine if I if I was a big Anthrax guy and you were a big Metallica guy. And yeah. we were going to do our sort of combing through it. I wonder if we're... Uh, I think we're going to be fair to the record. Yeah, for sure. The difference, I think, between a lot of those earlier records and this is it's the songs have lived on so much. Yeah. Seek and Destroy, Four Horsemen, Hit the Lights, all right. that stuff. The, the, you know, the metal militias and the motor breaths, that might be the more fun shit to scrutinize, especially yeah. lyrically. I still, love the, I still love those tunes, for sure. And I'm excited to listen through them. I mean, there's nothing on this record that I'm like, eh, skip it. Um, I do love this record front to back, no matter what. Yeah, I do too. And you know, so it's good to be back. By the way, we're at HQ too. Yeah, we've uh, you've been on the road a bunch. I've been super busy. It's been your schedule's been insane. I know you were home for like one day last week, which is why we had to put out a bunch of bonus content for you. But I was about to say we took last week off, and by last week off, I mean we dropped four episodes. <laughs> right. We did two uh, radio episodes and two metal tales. We're going to be doing yeah. the London metal tales, which was the last uh, one from their leg. I'm doing that tomorrow cool. with Andy John. And uh, to try to just keep that tight and right over there. Tight and right. The, the uh, radio ones were fun. I uh, I tried something a little different, and I just uh, decided to play selections from different vinyl records I bought on the road with Need to Breathe. Oh, that's nice. Went through and pulled 10 records out that I love from what I purchased this last spring. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I got some cool feedback on some tracks I was surprised people wrote in about. Like someone commented on the... Uh, the Chuck D solo track I played, Chuck yeah. D from Public Enemy. But yeah, I, th- I had a good time making it. And I was like, really fun to sit down in my studio. Like, I wasn't just finding the tracks on Spotify and playing them. I was like putting the record on. You could hear the, you know, the dust and grime in the record playing. It you could hear the proverbial needle drop. Not even the proverbial needle, the actual needle. The literal needle. The literal. Yeah, these stylists. You ever have people in your life who they, they may be super smart or whatever, but they just say, they say certain words incorrectly. Like literally? I know a friend, we have a mutual friend, I'm not going to say who it is until okay. after we quit recording, that says the word literally a lot, like, they're one of those people. Yeah. Dude, I literally was like this, but they always say literally. Literally. It's like, mm, 
Are you, from, are you from England? I don't think you're saying that correctly. I think if you talk like this, and uh, you're literally going to say it like that. Except he is from, like, North Carolina. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I literally. Um, yeah, I, I, I have some friends that will say, they'll use literally in, literally incorrectly. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God, that was so funny last night. I literally died. Right, like, I wish you literally no, died. No, you didn't. I had a boss who uh, referred to the library as the library. The library? And that put me in a tough spot because it was my boss. And uh, ah. I'm not really going to be correcting my boss on her lifelong mispronunciation of library. She also referred to um, manila envelopes as vanilla envelopes. <laughs> nuclear or nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. Well, anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, this is our this is the grammar portion of our episode. You, you know, we're big mathematicians here as well, so we thought we'd do some uh, some some basic English. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we are an all metallic podcast. My homie Ethan and I get together every week, even when we're out of town, even when we can't really swing it logistically. We still try to do it, right? And we talk about our favorite metal band, the Mighty Metallica. This will be no different. We're going to be listening to Kill 'Em All. We've already done a big deep dive, and we've done a couple of deep dives into that record because we. Did the initial um, the, the initial review, right? And then we sort of hunkered down and did like four or five up. No, we did one big monster episode we on did the, the box set. Yeah, we did the box set. That that was that, in retrospect should have been a two parter, but we just we hammered that out at HQ one. What was that like? Well, three hours. Of I was Kill thinking for this month we should uh, do the Ride the Lightning box set because we still have Kevin Van Dam. <laughs> we do. So we need my, to get back to him, but we're we're gonna do like what we do with the Justice episode and just camp out there and do maybe four right. or five episodes, review some of the live stuff that comes with the demo tapes and riff tapes. Right. And I think I thought it would be cool to give away a Ride the Lightning box set. That'd be cool in July. That would be fun. That would be a neat box set to give away. That would literally be neat. Literally. Yeah. Uh, so. We're going to be announcing the SNM2 winner. For those of you who don't know, we are giving away two tickets to SNM2 on September 8th to a lucky patron. Because of the touring schedule and stuff, that's just not going to happen today on this episode. We're going to do it next week. Um, it is happening. We have the tickets. We purchased the yeah. tickets. Thanks again. Shout out to our friend Katrina who helped us out with that. Um, it's just been insane. Like you said, yeah. I was, I did, I, did, I can't even remember what I did. Last week, we, we flew to New York. We did a bunch of, sh we did like two or three gigs. Didn't you do Good Morning America? And then we flew to New York. We did Good Morning America. The band flew home. Derek, our other guitar player, and I stayed for another day and did a whole bunch of radio and press. Oh, uh, yeah. We flew home. We were home for one day. And then we flew out to California and did, just got home doing two shows in California. Yeah. I got home last night. We're doing this today. I'm getting back on the bus tomorrow for four yeah. shows in the Midwest. So You're feeling awesome right now. I'm just really exhausted <laughs> yeah and worn out i do have a funny story to tell about my new york time Ooh, do I, met, tell. I met one mr judd apatow saw that that's awesome so monday we did good morning america for those of you who don't know that's a super stressful morning your call time is like 4 a.m yeah it's stupid you get there you do this weird sound check it's very stressful you're in Times square you're you know you're gonna be taping for television you have like a quick rehearsal. There was a bunch of like technical stuff that we were trying to work out with our tracks and stuff. And then you sit around for a million hours. Yep. And we did our taping around ten, and uh, the band uh, the band whisked off back home to Nashville. Derek and I had a radio thing at like three that afternoon. That ended, and we were so tired we could hardly move. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> we, before we went back, we, our hotel is in Midtown, which is near Times Square. Yeah. And uh, this radio thing was in the Village. So we were like, let's just hop into some cool little bar in the village and have a beer. We were so tired, we were just sat there in front of each other, drinking a beer, not even really talking. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys are in your mind. It, it, your mind's basically falling asleep. Yeah. You're just like going through the um, robotic motion of sipping a beer just to kill time. Well, so it's like 8 p.m., and we're like, dude, we're in New York City. 
we're gonna we have a whole day of work tomorrow. We're not you know we're not like going home later. We're not catching a red eye. Right. It'd be a real shame to just go to bed. Yeah. But we were really contemplating it, and so we're looking at like shit to do. And uh, Jackson Brown was playing the Beacon Theater that night. Oh, cool. So we were like, fuck, man, that would be so dope. It would tickets for a like hundred bucks. And I was like, man, if I just go like sit in a dark theater, I'm gonna fall asleep. Yeah. Because we talked about going and seeing Rocket Man also, the Elton John uh, film. Okay, yeah. I was like, man, if we just go sit in a dark thing, I think I'm gonna fall asleep. Yeah. So we were like, well, let's just. Uh, usually when we go to New York, we go to the Comedy Cellar, right? Yeah. Which is a famous comedy club in the Village. It's super fun. Usually famous people will just sort of pop up and show up. It's a very intimate club. You may yeah. have seen it on the show Louie. Yeah. Or you may have seen it in the television show Crashing. And uh, we've probably gone the last two or three times. And then cool. one night we went to both shows. We went to the 930 and the Oh, that's awesome. I was like bribing the doorman to try to see if we could stay in our same like seats. Because what they do after the 930 show is they dump you out. Yeah. It's almost like when they stack shows at Hotel Cafe. Right, yeah. And then you have to like get back on the list to go back in. Yeah, okay. So we're like, you know what? Fuck it, man. Let's go to the cellar. Well, we're really late because the first show is 9.30. And if you don't have tickets that you've already reserved, you get on a standby list. And what happens if you're on the standby list is you just stand out there between 9 and 9.30 and they come out and they call you. You call They call you by order of when you got on the list. Right, okay. And it's a huge crowd of people out there. So we go up to the doorman and I'm like, hey, man, uh, is the show sold out? He's like, yeah, the show's been sold out. He has like typical kind of right. New York terseness. Yeah. And I said, well, cool. I'd love to put me on the standby list. He's like, standby list is full. Come back at 11.30. I was like, oh, man, is there any way we can get in this 9.30 gig? He's like, what did I just say? <laughs> Show sold out. Uh, if you want to come at 11.30, come back at 11 or whatever. And I'm like, wow, he was mean, but that's fine. Yeah. He, he wasn't He wasn't unreasonable. Wasn't unreasonable. He's got other shit to deal with. Yeah. I'm like a, I'm like a, low, you know, a visiting redneck. He I get hears it. this every day, I'm sure. Now, the I'm going to try to make the story not super long, but it is a very interesting story. I promise you, Ethan, and I promise hey, you, dear listener out there. I'm waiting for the payoff. I love this. So Comedy Cellar has a sister club called the Village Underground that's two blocks away, across from a really famous jazz club called, called the Blue Note. Yeah. Are you familiar with all this? Oh, yeah, definitely. So we go to Village Underground. There's this big bouncer guy out front. And I saw a comedian that I recognized from some of my cellar visits going down to, I guess, to do a set. Yeah. And I told Derek, I was like, oh, that funny voice guy, I don't know his name. He's got a funny voice. I was like, oh, he just went down. I bet he's doing a set. So I'm like, hey, man, let's, can, can we get in? And this bouncer who I came to know is Danielle. Danielle? He's giving me sort of the same New York treatment. He's like, sold out. Sorry, bro. Nothing I can do. I yeah. was like, man, come on, dude. Standing room only. Let us let us hop in there. He's like, I told you the information. <laughs> and I said, well, is there another <clears throat> comedy club around here we can go? He's like, man, other than the village and the cellar, the stuff around here is really dicey. Yeah. Really shitty. Yeah. He's like, there's not going to be anybody in there. You're going to pay a premium cover, and it's going to be horrible. I was like, well, you're really fucking helping me out, bro. <laughs> So me and Derek are standing there trying to figure out what to do. We're like striking out, you know. Right. Oh, and then we go to the Blue Note. We're like, oh, let's go into the Blue Note. They're like, no, nope, the last show is just happening right now. They're playing. They're on their last song. Like, Damn it! I'm like fuck, man. Well, let's go to McDonald's. The, the city of of dreams and open doors is feeling real closed down right now. Yeah, jeez. So I jokingly say to Danielle, I'm like, how much to let me down in the village? I, you know, like give you twenty five bucks to let me down in the village. He's like, man, I can't be bought. You can't do that here. <laughs> I said, dude, money. T-. I did the the line from uh, Spinal Tab. I'm like. Uh, money talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> Just to try to get him to laugh, and he has this like th- he has like a um, microphone like on his chest. Right. He t- he takes that off and he walks over to us. He's like, "Hey, my boss listens to this." So he's like, "Let me tell you something though. Go back to the comedy cellar." He's like, "The guy at the door is a guy named Steve. Mm. You slip him some cash and he'll let you in." Really? Okay. I was Interesting. like, "I was like, what's your name, man?" He's like, "I'm Danielle, this big black Charles Barkley looking guy." Yeah. I was like, "Danielle, man." I- I'm not from here, dude. I'm just here working. I'm not, I'm not a handshake. I've never done a handshake deal. 
He's like, well, I'm, you know, if you want to get in, I'm just telling you how to do it. He's like, I work at the cellar. I know Steve. Yeah. He's like, tell him Danielle sent you. Slip him something. I'm like, all right, what are we talking here? He's like, I don't know. I was like, come on, man. I'm not from here. Just tell me how much to give him. I was like, 20 bucks? He was like, no way, dude. He's like, for both of you? And I was like, yeah, well, 30 bucks? What? He's like, man, you better give him 50 bucks. I'm like, for, the, for the two of you? Yeah. Okay, so 25 bucks each, not terrible. So I go tell Derek, I'm like, all right, dude, here's the deal. Danielle's saying if we give this guy 50 bucks, we can get in. And Derek's like, what if he just, I'm like, what if he takes the money and doesn't let us in? Or what if he, like, humiliates me in front of this huge crowd? Like, pardon me, sir, are you trying to bribe I? <laughs> Displeases me, it does, to be bought. Pleases me muchly to tell you to walk on, sire. <laughs> Pleases me to tell you that bullshit will walk tonight. <laughs> muchly does it please me to tell thine to go fuck thine self. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, either way, it's going to be a funny story. Yeah. So we get, the, I, get the, I get the sweaty wad of cash in my hand, <laughs> and we walk up, and there's a huge crowd outside the cellar, and the guy's like agitatedly looking at his clipboard and shit. I'm like, dude, how do I do this? How do I just go up? To the guy that was rude to me 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And like do a bribe without people like, hey, is he bribing that guy? <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, I'm, uh, you Excuse guys, me. you guys accept bribes? So I find a little moment and I go up to him. And this is a guy who, again, was very rude to me. Yeah. Very formerly. I said, hey, Steve, nice to see you again. Danielle sent me. And he goes, how many? Two? And I said, Whoa. yeah, he said, because you, when you go to the cell, you have to put your phone in this bag. You can't record shit. Right, yeah. He's like, get your phone out, turn it off, put it in this bag. And I'm like, thanks, Steve. And I shake his hand and uh, make the deal. Yeah. So wait. So it seems like he was going to let you in just because you knew, knew Danielle. Well, Danielle had texted him. Oh, uh, like I'm sending these dudes over he there. He goes, Danielle. He was like, what's your name? I was like, Clint. He's like, I asked Danielle what your name was. And uh, he just said two white guys are coming. <laughs> I was like, wow, he really nailed it. He did. <laughs> it was like nothing but 800 white people trying to get in. Right, yeah. We were just completely indistinguishable from the entire crowd. <laughs> so sure enough, in, in a matter of seconds, we were sitting front row in the cellar. No way. So of course, me and Derek are like, Hell yeah, man. The five, like, I'm, we did I'm it. Fucking gangsters. Fuck up in this New York bitch. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and we're ordering our first drinks. It's two-drink minimum. Several comedians come on, and they're great. It's like a great night at the cellar. Yeah. I look behind my shoulder, and in this little tiny hallway, I saw Judd Apatow walk by. Yeah, And I, okay. I, I tell Derek, I'm like, dude, Judd Apatow's here. I didn't even know he did stand-up. I didn't either. And Derek's like, holy shit. You know, we're aware of his films and he the stuff he produces and writes. And sure enough, the, the MC comes up. He's like, hey, we have a really special guest. Judd Apatow's here. And you could kind of tell no one really... Everyone's like, wait a second. No huh? one really freaked out. Right. Well, they were probably maybe getting a little confused like you were. Like, he does stand-up? Uh, right. And he came up with like... It really looked like he was working on material. He had like a notebook that he was sort of reading off of. Right, yeah. Dude, he del he, he did about 30 minutes, which is pretty long for the seller. Yeah. And it was the best thing of the whole night. Dude, that's His stand-up was amazing. That's great. He gets off stage, and I was a little saucy. Yeah. And what happens is above the cellar is a famous bar that all the comedians hang in. Yeah. And I said, dude, I'm going to go up. I got to just go up and tell him thank you for all the work he's done. I've been a fan for so long. And he made this Gary Shandling documentary last year that was so touching. Yeah. So I go up there, and he's sitting in a booth with two other famous comedians. Did I don't, you know I, who they were? I, did, I, I recognize them, but I don't know their names. Um, let, let me guess. Uh, uh, George Carlin. George Carlin and, Bill Hicks. and Richard Pryor. <laughs> So I'm like, well, fuck it, man. I'm just going to do it, dude. So I go over to the table. I'm like, hey, Judd, I'm so sorry to bother you, man. And he was immediately really friendly. Yeah. He's like, no, man, what's up? I was like, man, I just wanted to say that your set was killer. I didn't even know you did stand-up. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that Gary Shandling documentary you made last year. It was just really touching, and I've been a huge fan of his. He's like, oh, cool. Are you a comedian? I was <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm a musician. And he like asked me about my work. Yeah. And I ended up telling him that we did Good Morning America. I was like, kind of faux bragging. I'm like, we sure, were on sure. TV today, <laughs> you know, If you were up at 4 a.m., <laughs> He invites me to sit down with him. What? So I sit in the booth with him, and we talk for about five or ten minutes. 
just about music, Nashville, yeah. about films. He's working on a film in Long Island right now. And I, I made the table crack up like two or three times. Yes, yes. And he's like, dude, you should be a comedian. I was like, wow, Judd Apatow just said I should be a comedian. You're like, eh, I do have a podcast, too. I'm pretty funny on that as well. Mm, you a Metallica fan? Hey, Judd, you want to hear my voices? So anyway, it was a wonderful experience. I go back downstairs. I tell Derek, I'm like, dude, I just sat in his booth for like 10 minutes. He's like, that's awesome. The show ends, and we go back out. And Derek was like, you think he's still up there? I was like, yeah. I was like, let's get a picture. Like, oh, this, so, this is where it gets weird, though. Like, you've already made contact. Right. Everything's cool. You played it cool. You made him laugh. Now it's like, oh, I'm going to go back and ask for another thing. That is an awkward thing to do. It, it really, the, the precipice of the whole hang could really fucking crash, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This could really go poorly. But right. I was like, again, I had the little liquid courage vibe going. I walked up. I was like, Judd, man, I'm so... Sorry to bother you again. Would you mind taking the picture? He was super nice. He took the picture himself. Yeah. We, you know, we got in and out real quick. That's good. That's anyway, good. so that's my Judd Apatow story. Dude, that's a great story. I think the story would have been equally as impressive if you got <clears throat> you got up to old Steve and he was like about ready to let you in. Then you shook his hand and he was like, motherfucker, I don't take bribes and like embarrassed you in front of everybody. That's what I thought was going to happen. Either way, I think we've all been entertained by this story. Well, that's how Derek and I, we were like, he was like, look, if we don't get in, because I was the one putting my fucking ass on the line. Yeah. He's like, I'll cover the 50. If we get in, we split the 50. Yeah. I was like, we split the 50, and you buy my first drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking... Like, I'm Wall- doing the legwork It's like here. Wall Street down there. I'm, yeah. like, cutting fucking deals like I'm the godfather. <laughs> anyway, that was that story. It's been a really busy touring season, but it's been good. I've missed you. I'm glad yeah. we're here together at Heck HQ2. Yeah. Let's talk about some Metallica news. Let's do it. I, I would love to. So we've been un- unable to address this together because we took last week off, but tragically, the, the you know, the, the metal world was sort of shaken by the news that... Dave Mustaine has been diagnosed with throat cancer. Right, yeah. And he came on, uh, he made a, a pretty touching Instagram post where he let everybody know. The good news is um, it's a 90% survival rate. Yeah, it sounds like they may have caught it pretty early, too. And he said he's got a, a, a treatment plan with his doctors that he feels good about. He's, yeah. He's, still, he's back in the studio working on the follow-up to Dystopia. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've I've been asked personally, I addressed this a little bit on my radio episode, but like, are we going to keep making fun of Mustaine now that there's a bit of a cloud over him? The answer right. is no. You know, we, we, that, all that shit isn't fun. It's not personal. I don't know him. Yeah. When you, whenever we go into the voice, it's not, it's not like we're sitting here just hating. You right. Know? I mean, it's, you all know I'm a, I love Megadeth. You're you a know? big fan. Yeah. Right? I love Megadeth. I still listen to Megadeth, you know? Um, I mean, I was earlier this morning. I was, you know, my wife slept in. I was sitting in my studio playing bass, and I started playing randomly playing a Megadeth bass line. And I, you know, I just love that band. So yeah, it's it's all in good fun, you know. But we're gonna obviously, you know, be a little more mindful of that. I think well, in the future, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I'm not a big thoughts and prayers guy, but just any of that energy that would be spent poking fun at at, at Psychotron. Um, we're going to just sort of spiritually channel that into solidarity with Dave, his right. family, his network of friends. I hope he pulls through, and I hope that however he ends up on the other side, that it doesn't do a bunch of damage to his voice. Right, and yeah. Obviously, making music is his life's work. Yeah, So for sure. it's cool to hear that he's still in the studio. I think their drummer posted, like, a picture of him in the studio. Yeah, so. no, they, and they canceled all, you know, a lot of their uh, North and South American dates. Um, I think their... Um, their crew met the mega cruise i think it's called i think that oh the, the cruise the, right they normally play it i think it's cruise is still happening i think the other members are still going to 
participate in some way, probably with some live sets of other with other bands or something. I'm not sure, but I know that's still happening too. Cruises are kind of like podcasts. Everyone does a cruise now. I w- I've never done a cruise. Oh, I've done a couple. I really want to do a They're cruise. They're fun. Yeah, I'm sure. They're no joke. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The first one I did was the Rock Boat with Matthew Mayfield, our buddy, and Need to Breathe was the headliner. I think uh, I think they're doing that in January. The so same- I'll probably be on it. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, if if they have me do that show, which I assume they will, because they already asked me to do the one off this month, so it was them and Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, it was a really great lineup. What did she go on to do? Oh, hardly anything. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> She's like the top girl right now. Man. So we wanted to just say we love you, Dave, and uh, obviously, despite the joking, we wish nothing but health and the best yeah, for him and for Megadeth. So it, it even it's even we even shouldn't have to say that, but. No, we're now officially putting that out there. Oh, we yeah, we love sure. you, Dave, and you know, good luck. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next. This is a, another interesting thing. This is weird. Kirk man. and Rob are forming a cover band for one not only called The Wedding Band with Ugly Kid Joe Singer, Whitfield, Whitfield Crane, and Queens of the Stone Age Danzig drummer Joey Castillo. The gig's Friday, July 26th at Ontario's Cosmopolitan Music Hall at Cosmo Music in Toronto, Canada. They're going to be covering Sabbath, ACDC, Billy Idol, etc. If anyone wants to try to go, the tickets are 300 bucks. They go on sale June 27th. It includes a meet and greet with Kirk, a signed poster, and a limited edition Kirk Hammett Monster Mashup Funko Pop figure. Three hundred bucks. Is this like a charity event? I couldn't really find a lot of info about it. I saw that there was a post about it. I was, you know, I saw that there were, you know, Whitfield Crane was going to be singing. No, I read several articles about yeah. this. I couldn't really find what it was. Maybe it's an actual wedding. They're playing a reception. You can pay three hundred bucks to go to the reception. Wow, I would do that if I, you know, I wonder if Dan Cantor will go. He lives in Toronto. Maybe. Dan might be there. Maybe maybe Dan's getting married. We don't know that. Well, he's already married. Maybe he's getting double married. Maybe he's getting double married. I, I don't know. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't know Canadian law. <laughs> I don't either. But, I think well, Joseph Smith did, after Missouri and Utah, I do believe it's written somewhere in the annals of Mormon. Did he go to Saskatchewan Mormon. or something? <laughs> he went up there somewhere, because he got booted out of every town he went to because That's he's right. insane. That's right. Um, yeah, it's nationally, uh, weed is legal up there, and you can get double married. Hmm. Okay. The term double married uh, always reminds me of uh, walk hard. You can't go and get double married. Right. <laughs> we always joke in the band about like, you know, like people people who um, maybe hit it a bit harder than we do, live the rock and roll lifestyle that, right. that you read about in Motley Cruz The Dirt. You wake up and you have like five more rings on your <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> oh damn it. What I do? We got night. double, triple married last night. <laughs> okay. So if anyone wants to go to that, again, tickets on sale June 27th. The gig is July 26th. It sounds like a really interesting. Uh, memorable one-off to interface with the Metallica boys. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see some uh, some footage from that, you know, just fan shot or whatever, because whether you like Ugly Kid Joe or not, Whitfield Crane does have a great voice, so... I'm kind of disappointed Kirk isn't going to Cookie Monster his way through it. That'd be kind of cool. Back in black. <laughs> hit the sack. <laughs> just a long round, I'll be back. <laughs> I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty much the voice at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next, moving on. The boys have a new master distiller, Dave Pickerel, who was... It's it's really sad, and we're going to hear a little... They made a little tribute video introducing their new guy and yeah. uh, and uh, kind of saying goodbye to Dave that we're going to hear in a second. But they're replacing him with uh, a guy named Rob Dietrich, who's going to oversee the sourcing, blending, and cask finishing of barrels for each batch of black and whiskey. Because this black and whiskey thing, I mean, was intended to to be a long haul. Yeah. They really want to make a stake in the, in the bourbon or in the whiskey 
world. Right, yeah. It's not just like a one-off thing just for like this t- album cycle or whatever. It's going to be a thing you can buy for years to come. And it sucks to lose that guy that was like, because, you know, they, they talked about him like he was like a stone-cold genius. Yeah, that, and I mean, even in, in the clip we're about to hear, I mean, that and interviews with like Lars and stuff before that about Dave, um, they, yeah, they talked about, about him like they became friends so fast. They felt like they'd known each other forever. It was like a really good pairing of personalities um, to come together to do this whiskey. So it's cool that, I mean, also that they got this guy Rob to come on board. Mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine he lives up, you know, he, he can, to the best of his ability, fill the shoes of Dave um, to do a good job. And everyone feels comfortable with this guy coming in to, to carry on the legacy that this guy started. Well, let's take a listen real quick. Let's do it. Pico was absolutely amazing. I felt like I'd known him all my life when I met him. Dave had that command. He had that character and that persona. When he walked into a room, he really brought an energy that was uh, super positive. He had a lot of knowledge. I was really blown away by how much information he had. Information that was, it was gleaned from years of experience. He knew down to molecules, how they reacted to a microscopic level of making whiskey. A lot of good times in a very short amount of time, and obviously devastated that we didn't get a chance to keep connecting on different levels. He was very proud to be, I think, associated with Metallica, and as we got to know him and saw the level that he was at, and the work that he put into his passion, we became very close. You know, Dave's passing was sudden and quick, and he was at a whiskey fest. He was there to represent what he loved doing his whole life. I know that he would want us to carry on and continue this journey. It was a very precious, um, and obviously way too brief time with him, but I'll cherish every moment. Someone we think is equally as capable and competent and knowledgeable, and that's Rob Dietrich. And we're very, very, very excited to have him on board now. And now moving forward with Rob is incredibly exciting. A lot of new adventures were going to go on, and he totally fits into the Metallica family and to the Blacken family. He's got some cool facial hair. That's hugely important. Um, (laughs) He's an explorer of craft. He's got the skills as well. And obviously what he accomplished with Stranahan's and the rest of his resume uh, is, is incredible. Super excited, man. We're super excited to get on with it. So a new star distiller. Leave it to Hetfield <laughs> with the dad jokes. I know, love it. Hetfield's got such a good laugh. Whenever he knows he just cracked a dad joke, he makes himself laugh. Yeah, well, that's the way it should be. If you don't like your own sauce, what are you doing? I don't know. It's one of the. You're probably using the word literally too much. <laughs> literally, it's one of the things that I really, um, you know, I, I love comedy so much. I'm like way into comedy and comedians, and you and I like humor and we like yeah, to be yeah. funny and shit. But like watching masters, like I, I make jokes that make me laugh. Yes, and it's amazes me watching professional comedians because they'll tell the funny shit rapid fire and they're not laughing. Yeah, that they're just fucking taking it seriously. I know. I mean. I'm sure you know when they're developing a joke, they probably make themselves laugh a few times. Right? They're like, "This is hilarious. This yeah, is a good this premise is good. or whatever." But that's part of the art of comedy, I think, too, is be able to like, like power through this joke into this punchline and make the whole crowd go crazy, and you're still straight faced and you're ready to go on, ready to move that, forward. That can that can oftentimes make the joke even funnier. 
Absolutely. If you're not laughing along with it. Absolutely. You know? Well, and you got to be ready for the next thing. It's right. very quick. Like, I remember it was like Seinfeld, I think, who said that, you know, you're judged every 30 seconds in comedy. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, when you're a musician, you're going to play a three to five minute song and then you're going to move on. But in comedy, it's like every 30 seconds. Even mm-hmm. if you get a big laugh, the crowd's ready for some, whatever's next, right, yeah. you know? Yeah, and next might be Clint Wells taking a picture with you, so you better be fucking ready for that. That yeah, motherfucker. Well, congratulations to Rob Dietrich. Yeah, that's awesome. My only question is, why didn't they call me first? I mean, do I know anything about whiskey? No. Do I have any experience in the distillation process of whiskey? No. no. Will anyone ever put Master Distiller on a resume? Again, no. However, all that to say... I do drink whiskey. So I'd say that's a qualification. So therefore, I mean, maybe I was on the short list. You might have been, I don't know. Well, maybe I'd like to see that short list. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to take a look. <laughs> They've already hired someone. What, what, what difference does it make? Just show us the list. Exactly. Show us the goddamn list. What's in the box? Yeah, what's in the box? Show us the Blacken report. We've got a few more little things of news here. Uh, the Metallica app. I have the Metallica app. It's pretty good, but they've kind of revamped it a little bit. It's it's great to look at if you're following the tour. You get access to tour dates, links to tickets, VIP packages, live videos and photos with set lists from each show, and you have access to the official Met store. You can shop for you know the live downloads or a hat or a hoodie or records right. all from within the app so it's almost like a one-stop shop for keeping up with what's going on with them with news yeah. and shit so it's free on all of your devices go yeah. look it up do it the last thing i saw is that you know pop ahead he, he he doesn't post much on the socials he just finally did so recently so when he does you're kind of well he posted a thing i think last month of him like driving listening to motorhead yeah well the thing on his i don't know his, his instagram account people are freaking out about he posted a photo when they were in dublin right uh with the the statue of phil Lynott from uh, thin lizzie right um but that slayer thing that got posted i want to say no joke like a year ago oh really i remember seeing that i remember seeing his hand playing air guitar on his but it just now wheel. made the news it just slow news all of a week. sudden just showed up i want i want to say i don't know maybe it's back in his instagram account i have seen that before I got to say, anytime James Hetfield blows a fucking snot rocket, the metal rags print it as a news story. I mean, I know it's probably not calculated. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's not like, I'm going to staff social media so that when I do post something, it'll be news for us. They don't need that. No, I don't think he gives a fuck about that. You know about James? Yeah, I don't think James James gives a shit shit about that. So, but because to the rest of us, when he's so quiet outside of shows, or interviews, it's like when he does post something, it's like, oh my God. I just thought it was cool that he's jamming to some Slayer. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of dad jokes, the caption said, slaying makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude. That'd be, hey, that'd be a good shirt. That'd be a really good shirt Slaying makes me smile. Aww. Although that could be interpreted in a pretty pervy way, too. It could be seen as a tacit endorsement of murder. And uh, I mean, like... Like douchebags that like I pick up on Uber that are like in town to fucking slay. Oh, you know, or it could be you know an homage to slaying to Santa Claus. What you could—that's true. Spell it a little differently. What you could—the shirt could say slaying, and slaying could be in the Slayer font. And that makes me happy. It makes me smile. Or he could know. have posted it at Slain Castle next to Thin Lizzie guy and said, Slain makes me happy. Ooh. We are just fucking wordsmiths We're on this fire. Bitch. You listening, Hetfield? <laughs> a lot of ideas were thrown your way for free. All right, that's what's cooking up in the news. We have an iTunes and a Patreon. If you like the show, and good God, why wouldn't you? Go leave us a positive review on iTunes. We are up to 400 positive reviews. I think we're a little further along. All of that goes a long way. I mean, if I was looking at the like, top podcasts today, it was kind of depressing because they all have like 35,000 reviews. Exactly. Yeah. It's like insane. Like, it is crazy. Sometimes when I think that the show's doing well, I'll go look at that and I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, don't, don't look at Joe Rogan's review count. 
but having said that, if you like the podcast, click the clack your way over there. It's really easy to do. You can even just leave the five stars, or you can just say something short like "I love the podcast" or whatever the yeah. fuck. I do like the more colorful ones though. We we do get some pretty. We have a really funny fan base. We do, yeah. Um, they I'll, like they like comedy, they like humor. Yeah, who doesn't? Honey, please, oh, please. I love humor. I mean, the only person, big Seinfeld the only fan. person in the world who doesn't like comedy is probably Carrie King. Oh, he definitely doesn't like comedy, unless it's satanic comedy. <laughs> He's just in his downtime. He just sits like on a throne in his basement, uh, wearing a thousand chains. Yeah, all jingling. And, and he's got a porcupine wrist cuff on each arm, but he's also got the shin ones. Yeah, he has the shin ones. So he kind of looks like a Sonic the a, a, a demon overlord slash Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I think you're right. This is all accurate information too. I've 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 seen pictures of this. Yes. Oh yeah. We've we, yeah we've seen pictures of his lair on the uh, dark web. What's real dark where he's at? I did see that Joyce had her 95th birthday party. Isn't that nice? That's Honey, so please, nice. I'm gonna live forever. Oh my god, it's nothing. I'm just a kid still. I rub. Off, here's the secret of the. I found the fountain of youth. Honey, 75 years ago, I rub uh, distilled olive oil all over my bodies, every night and every morning and every afternoon and every mid morning and every mid afternoon. Keeps me keeps, keeps me young. It keeps me youthful and, and vibrant. Yeah, we know the, the the stupidest but yet fun fact about that photo I did post on the socials. It, it literally was a sign at the end of my street, and I was coming from running some errands, and I saw it, and I was like, "Did that just say Joyce's 95th?" Mm-hmm. Went to my house, dropped some groceries off, and I had to go run one, one more errand. And I turned around, pulled over, and I was like, "I gotta take a picture of this." People ask me all the time, "Honey, how do you get the olive oil off your skin?" And I tell them, "It's it's it's very, um, you know, people frown upon this maybe a little bit. And Pete is not real happy with me, but I let Lucius lick it off. Oh, he loves it. It's addictive. Well, he loves it. How do you think he's lived to be seventy five years old? Wouldn't it have been amazing if because Joyce's actual ninety fifth birthday party was two houses away from me? Yeah, if I would have gone in there and be like, "Can I interview Joyce real quick?" Oh my god! It's for a podcast, that would have been great. Joyce, how do you feel about your ninety fifth birthday? What if she was from New York too? She's like, oh, honey, please. honey, I grew up in Yonkers. It feels really great to be here in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I love it here. Like, I like the humidity. It's good for my skin. <laughs> it's great for my skin. I love. I don't like being in the sun unless I'm on a pedal tavern. Oh, I love pedal taverns. Are you kidding me? Byob, honey. <laughs> be, and I do. Byo Chardonnay. <laughs> Sometimes Byo Rose. Who knows? Uh, honey, Byo uh, Pinot Noir. Oh, love that stuff. I love a nice red. You know, I love a nice Chianti. Mm, oh, please. And don't tell Peter this. Also, sometimes I get a little bit delusious. He has trouble sleeping. I rub it on his gums. He loves it. He it makes him sleep easy and. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep easy. All right, here's the other deal. If you want to do more than the iTunes, and we get new patrons all the time, is we have this thing called Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash metal of your podcast, and you can support the show for what generally amounts to two cups of coffee a month, five bucks. You can support us, keep us going, keep us excited to do this work, and help facilitate things like cover our black and EPs, paying Nathan Thomas to mix it. Um, we're, we're cranking up the Lunar Satan shit, which, by the way, at that the end one. of this episode... We're going to be hearing the debut of the new Lunar Satan Jam. It's awesome. Mixed by Paul Moak. Mixed by one Paul Moak. Uh, there's all sorts of things you get when you become a patron. So it's it's nice. We've incentivized you over yeah. there. Cover Our Black and Volume 3 is going to be coming out in the it's next close, few yeah. months. So Nathan's got tracks. We have, let's see, four new patrons. Nathan Jolson, Ollie. Ollie. Uh, Mark uh, Kil- Kil- Kilminster. <laughs> yes. And uh, Mark Auger. All right. You know what? Hey. Love it. Not all heroes wear capes. Although lots of heroes do wear capes. A lot of heroes do wear capes. It does seem to be sort of part of the deal if you become a hero. That's also one of those sayings I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of over. Oh, really? Well, it says everyone, you know, it's like anytime anybody does something remotely good or cool, I mean, it's a nice thing. They did something good. I love it. That's great. 
But it's like, not all heroes wear capes. I follow a subreddit called Humans Being Bros. And it, it'll be like, <laughs> you know, a man and his handicapped son trying to finish a marathon. And the, the, the kid, oh. his legs, the, a bunch of strangers would come help him get I up the rope thing. Love it. I love that stuff. But then a lot of the, but, but people don't really understand the premise of Humans Being Bros. Yeah. Because a lot of it's just people doing shit you should do. Right. Like opening it's like taking it. credit for that. Like, man, I put food on my daughter's plate. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to. You know what, dude? You're being a bro right now. I was like, no, I'm just being a dad. Yeah. No, bro, you're being a bro. Nope. Being a dad. <laughs> just being a human being. Dude, you pay your mortgage? You're a bro. Exactly, yeah. I started following uh, something funny on Instagram called Broadway Uncensored. Mm-hmm. Somebody created some account for all this shit show that happens on Broadway here in Nashville every wow. weekend. It's thoroughly entertaining. It's mostly people that are just hammered and can barely stand up, and they're like, I'm sure it's like this in most major cities in the States. I don't know about Europe, but this new, uh, what are these little bikes people are riding now? Oh, the scooters? Yeah, what are they called? There's a bunch of them. There's Bird, Segway, Lime. Not Segways, but Segway Bird makes or whatever. Bird's Company, Lime. Uber has one. Lyft has one. I've seen a lot of videos of people in downtown Broadway like crashing yep. on yeah. those. They're about to ban them here in Nashville and then only allow two companies to like stay. obese, redneck, you know, country fans. Who are hammered. Who are fucking drunk. Yeah. I picked up a girl one day, just last week, I picked up this girl on Broadway when I was out doing Uber, and she's like, hang on, my friend's almost here. Like, two o'clock in the afternoon, like, shit face already. This girl comes down Broadway on one of those scooters on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Car's honking at her, starts swerving back and forth in, like, the loading, unloading zone, and just, bam, smacks on the ground. Jesus. I was like, oh, great. She gets in the car. I mean, she was drunk enough. She just kind of bounced and like didn't feel it. I'm sure she did the next day. I like, saw a guy with one with one of those things that you hold a kid mm, good. on your chest. I'm yep. like, dude, you're going to kill your fucking kid, dude, you stupid asshole. Seriously. Okay, how are we going to move out of that? Into socials. socials. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Fuck that. Fuck all that shit. Anyway, we're hey, on all that. Except for uh, my new podcast episode. I saw that you put one with Sean McConnell, Sean McConnell. Who's, a, who's I toured with for years, who's a, a dear friend of mine, a wonderful songwriter and artist here in Nashville. Yeah. I'm sure that was a very fun combo. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. We recorded it a couple months ago while we were on the road together when he was out opening for Need to Breathe. And uh, yeah, I finally put it out and uh, ed- edited my little way I do it, an intro and outro, and played some of his song clips and stuff. It, it, it turned out great. Do you mention me in it? Uh, I do mention Metal Up Your Podcast. No, you don't talk, you don't talk about me in this. In the episode, I think we do. I, I actually haven't listened to it since we recorded you it. You son of a bitch. I'm not a son of a bitch. The other podcast we want to pimp out is mine with Bob Schneider called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. I think you'll all like that. Our website's MetalUpYourPodcast.com where you can hear a lot of other podcasts that we've been on. I listened to your Thunder Underground podcast this morning. Yeah, that was fun. I dropped my kid off in Huntsville and uh, on the way back I listened to it. So our friends Jason and Trent have a podcast that's it's all hard rock and metal. It's not just Metallica, but right. they. I was on their podcast in January, and then you were on it. They released it a few weeks ago. So this was yeah. We, we I think we recorded it. I remember it was in Tulsa, but I can't remember when that was. It was a few, it was a few months ago. The most easy and direct way to get a hold of us is our email address. We respond to every email that we can. We're a little backed up now because we've been so busy, but we'd like to read five on the show. We're going to do that now. Let's kick it to the email corner. Let's do it. All right, our first email is from Jesse Henson. He says, hey, guys, my name is Jesse, and I'm a drummer from Louisiana. I did some touring in my younger years, but now I just play for my church. Uh, I found the podcast maybe a month ago and fell in love with it. Besides Metallica content, I was a big-time cr- uh, Christian in the early 2000s, so I wanted to tell Ethan 
Oh, <laughs> I went to the Sadie Hawkins dance in my khaki pants. Oh, oh, oh. That's uh, an, what's that? That's a super old Reliant K song that I wasn't even, that was way before me. How does it really go? Sing the actual melody. No, I'm not going to. Come on. <laughs> it basically goes, uh, it's an old pop punk song. Sadie Hawkins dance in my khaki pants. There's nothing better. <sighs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I, uh, I, I played that song a bunch. I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and congratulate you on not being a part of it's that. It's a super cheesy song, and even like the dudes in the band were like, we still have to play this song, but it it was one of their popular, more popular songs. Wow. Okay. Cool. But so appreciate the shout out, but I, I didn't play on that. Um, and Clint, I checked out all the Rodney Atkins stuff I could find with you in it, and I'm a fan. You are very talented. Thank you. Also, the Dave Mustaine impression is great. Never gets old Ooh. until the now. Um, the thing I came to ask is, what do you think of live Saint Anger? Uh, the boys just posted recently. I thought it was a, a good bit better. Just want to uh, get your thoughts. Keep up the great work, guys. Much love, Jesse. Well, I think the, the St. Anger stuff, the slot they have in this tour set, sounds amazing. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, hearing them do it now with sort of more of the hardwired sauce, obviously the drums are better, the guitars sound better. Kirk's doing some leads in it. And they haven't played this material in so long that it's just fresh. It's like, cool. I mean, I, I'm I think, down. I think people are stoked. I love there's a St. Anger slot. I do too. We have talked about in the past, like, wouldn't it be cool if they played some yeah. St. Anger tunes? Now we just need a few more Death Magnetic tunes. Yeah, well, more than zero? I mean, they'll occasionally do the day that never comes. Yeah, I mean, shit. Let's get some cyanide in there. Let's get at least get some stuff warmed up for SM2, fellas. Yeah. Come on. They played the Unforgiven 3 one time like a hundred years ago now. Yeah. Remember when they played that and we were so excited? Yes. Because we what, what could it mean? What does this mean? What does this all mean? It turns out it didn't mean shit. James, I know you're listening, man. Come Unless on. Unless there's you know, they 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 very well could have a couple other songs up their sleeve that they're not gonna play live, but then surprise the masses with at SNM too both nights. Literally. Literally. Our next email is from our friend Aurelian Moreau. He says, Hello there. I'm currently listening back to all the episodes in chronological order, something I've not done when I discovered the show. At the time I cherry picked episodes based on the topic covered. I started one month ago driving back from the Zurich Metallica show, and I'm already at episode fifty nine. What a ride. All the private jokes make more sense and it's fun to rediscover the origins of Dave Torben, Pawpaw, and all these crazy incarnations and avatars. The episodes are super interesting, and there's definitely a lot of things that I did not get or remember from my first listening. What amazes me is how good the show was from day one. It's grown in quality and content since, but these first episodes were already awesome, well thought out, well executed, and surely well prepared. Keep up the great work, Aurelian. Well, thank you so much, man. That's, That's so, nice. so cool. Yeah. We've, we've been getting a lot of messages recently that people are going back through. And so I'm sure that's fun. I, yeah, for I, sure. I haven't done that, but... I'll do that one day down the line when I'm like 60 years old. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, yeah, yeah when I turn 60. He says, P.S., the initial idea of Lunar Satan appears in episode 59 where Clint explains that he would like to write songs about <laughs> Satan in space, and I went and found it, and we're going to we're gonna take a trip back to episode 59. I remember that. I remember the incarnation of this. You ready to hear this? It's pretty Did funny. Did I end up saying Lunar Satan? Well, you, let's find out. You, let, let, let's, let's get down to the bottom of this. Let's take yeah. a little trip down memory lane. All right. All right, moving on to... a. F- Fucking barn burner and a half. The Merciful Fate medley, which consists of songs by, uh, by Merciful Fate called Satan's Fall, Curse of the Pharaohs, A Corpse Without Soul, Into the Coven, and Evil. I mean, as a, um, I'm not a, a religious person that goes both ways. I don't believe in Satan or anything either, but I love songs about Satan. <laughs> my do. mouse pad in my studio is a fucking pentagram. Yes. My studio is covered in skulls. These lyrics are so amazing. I know. They're great. Have you ever written any kind of like death metal, black metal lyrics? Not I've never really, done it. No. I, I want to try it. Or like, you know what I want to do? I want to write like a, um, like a Satan in space thing. 
They're kind of like Jason X. <laughs> like like a like a metal record, but about Satan, like Satanism, but in space. In space. Doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you immediately want to check it out? I would listen to it. I, I actually have a note. This is a love all the Satan talk. Ha ha. I'm trapped in his spell. I'm going to hell. <laughs> The ridiculous. I'm trapped in space. I see Satan's face. See, I'm already writing the sat- satanic space odyssey right now. Oh, you can do it, man. I believe in you. The opening line is, <laughs> I seriously love this shit. <laughs> How like a wolf and a witch will open the door. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a like a clue you you got on playing Zelda. Like if there are like witches and fucking wolves and the devil and pentagrams and blood. You're in. I just whatever, whether it's a movie or a song, or or Art Deco for my modern home, post postmodern satanic home. Sure, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear Clint's record about a devil in space. Yeah, Satan in space. Yeah, yeah. Well, why does he have to be just on Earth? He can be in space. He's he's, he's fucking Satan. He's not on Earth. He's <laughs> he's in hell. Remember. Thank you for the theology lesson. You said he didn't have to be on Earth. He's not. Right. He's in another dimension. Why not space? Yeah, put him in space, man. Maybe he's fucking hanging out on the moon. Lunar Satan. (laughs) Lunar. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Lunar Satan is an amazing band name. Thank you. Good night, Dark Continent. We are Lunar Satan. (laughs) A witch will open the door. <laughs> well, there you have it. I mean, that's the, the origin story. That's where it all began. Wow! Thank you, Aurelian, for uh, for reminding us when that yeah, happened. For helping us resurface that. That was amazing. To okay. To. Wow. Uh, next email is from Sam Barry. Hey, Clint, Ethan. I just wanted to say that I'm loving the show. I just went back and listened to the first three episodes, and the improvement in the show is amazing. So you're saying the first three suck? Great. Um, I can't begin to explain how much I appreciate this podcast, what you guys do for the fans by bringing so many people from all over the world together. Also, Clint, I see that you and Rodney are coming to Bar Harbor, Maine uh, um, this uh, this fall, and my stepmother's a huge fan, so I plan on bringing her to the show. Uh Uh-oh. What the hell? We're all caught up in the country up here in Maine. That's our current single. Yeah, caught up in the country, man. (laughs) Caught up in a country or the country? Caught up in the country. Caught up in the country. So you got beers on me and hope to see you. Uh, uh, anyways, enough rambling. Love the show, guys, and metal up. Well, hey, man. Well, that's cool that they're fans. I mean, yeah, of course. Like, uh, You don't have to buy tickets. Just let me know closer to the show. I'll get you tickets. Come on the bus and say hi. There is a dude I want to apologize to who we were just in Rockland, California. Yeah. And he had sent me an email. He's from Rockland, and he's a, f- a fan and uh, wanted to come out, and I just never got back to the email. Mm. I was catching up on emails when I got home last night after right. my wife went to bed, and I was like, shit, dude, yeah, I'm like, so oops. sorry. I wasn't trying to blow him off or anything. So right. I'm sorry uh, about that, dude. Thanks for the email. Uh, a fellow Clint writes in, Clint Simpkins, which, I, you know, I have an affinity for the other Clints of the world. There were only about 15 of us. There's not that many, yeah. There is another guy that, I, that I've tried to become friends with named Clint, Clint Wells. Named Clint Wells. Oh, yeah, I... I found him on Instagram, and I've I've become friends with him. You're like, hey man, we have the same name. We should probably be friends. I, I literally said that, and he's like a um, a real athletic job runner, and he's also extremely religious. Yeah, so just the opposite of me, right? <laughs> and I used to tweet at him. He he ignored me for years because he just thought I was a weirdo. Yeah, but I would tweet at him and say, you know. I hope me and at Clint Wells are looking at the same moon. <laughs> or I'd like, 
I'd be like, I put my hand on a window at night sometimes, and I wonder if at Clint Wells is putting his hand on the same window. I should find another Ethan Luck out there and do the same thing. We ended up becoming friends, and like anytime I'm in the Chicago area, I invite him to shows. But oh, like you've hung out and stuff. No, he 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 hasn't come. Okay, so he's he, still a little distant. Literally, literally, he he didn't respond to anything I said to him for like three years, and I yeah. hit him up a lot. Where I was just like <laughs> teasing him and retweeting him and shit. Like, dude, we have the same name. This yeah. is insane. <laughs> And uh, one, this is maybe four years in. Yeah. I was playing at uh, Park West with Bob Schneider. Yeah. And I did the same thing. Hey, man, two tickets for you at Will Call. You know what name they're under. <laughs> and, he, and he wrote back and said, dude, I'm actually going to come. Are you being serious? Oh, wow. And I said, I, wrote, I said, dude, how many tickets do you want? And he wanted like five tickets. Yeah. I'm like, you got it. I told her to remember Ted. I was like, put, put Clint Wells down for four. And that's not a joke, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And then he didn't come. Uh, and I kind what's of, up, Clint Wells? Man, he's busy. He's got a kid and he's married and shit. But still, I don't know free tickets to, yeah, a, to a to a a country concert. This was Bob Schneider. That would have been a, a hell rock of a show. concert. Come on. All right, back to Clint Simpkins. Uh, he says, "Fellas, the moment on the last show where Clint pulls out the medieval voice was, in my opinion, hands down, <laughs> the funniest moment on the show to date." And he's talking about when we were talking about Slane Castle, and I said, "Congratulations, Metallica! You have seventy five thousand tickets sold." I trust a sack of shillings is appropriate, yes. yes. <laughs> he says at the hour 46 minute when an aggressive anthrax riff drops, bring me the enemy of war and release the chirping chickens. And, and later you said fruit flies. Fruit flies. I don't know what that's, the context is of that. I don't either. He said that solid gold. I was jogging at 5 a.m. when I was listening and was laughing so hard I had to shorten my run. You're the welcome. O- the other funniest moment was way back in episode 70 when you covered VH1 Behind the Music and did five minutes or more of Dave Mustaine oh my gosh. quoting Back to the Future. That was one of our golden moments for sure. The DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we can still do the Dave voice. It's, we're not, this is not disrespectful. We're just... I think as long as we're quoting like Coming to America or, yeah. or Back to Good the morning, future. my neighbors. <laughs> ah, fuck you. Yes, fuck you too. <laughs> Oh man, I was Joan of Arc in a previous life. <laughs> that boy, good. Yeah, good, terrible. Good, terrible. I believe the children are the future. Put your hands together for sexual chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Big Mac. We got the Big Mac. This man's been my reverend since I was a little boy. You know him as Joe the Policeman from the Who's Looking Out episode of That's My Mama. <laughs> okay he says both of these things i've listened to many times when i needed a good laugh well done the chemistry is good with you two clint simpkins well thank you for the sweet message clint i appreciate that (laughs) sorry i can't stop wow i guess Um, the moratorium on the dave voices has been immediately lifted (laughs) (laughs) the dave it's one thing to do the dave voice we're not going to poke fun at him totally we we respect him we want him to get well and so like that of course of course but it's it's all it's in good fun it's all in good fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Our last email is from Mark K. He says, hey, buds. Uh, I've listened to your show since the first week. I can't believe it's been two and a half years, and I've loved every minute of it. I'm just about to jump in the car to go to my first Met show in, in 11 years, and if I hadn't been, uh, have, if it hadn't been for you lovely dudes remind me every week how amazing this band is, I probably wouldn't be going. So it's about, uh, it's about time I damn well become a patron, which is what I've just done. Thanks for all you do. It's awesome. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Mark, that's so nice of you. I'm glad you uh, you're on your way to you were on your way to a Metallica show. I hope you made it there. And you yeah, he sent this picture. He made it into the Golden Circle. Oh, that's he sent right. Us some pictures of it and stuff. Um, we've been told quite often at this point that that the show has been inadvertently or directly responsible for rekindling a certain love of the band at a certain hey. level. And what can I say? I I take that to heart, and I think that's really fucking absolutely. Awesome. We hear that a ton, and it's even done that I think for ourselves too. I mean, absolutely. The load and reloads. I, I'm. Have become more obsessed with in the last two years than the I, Lulus, than I, the Lulus, all the Lulus, 
All the same angers. Well, the first couple of Lulu records, I was a little little soft on. Well, the production's weird. But when they made Lulu 3 and 4, I was like, this is my shit. Yeah. Have you heard Lilo? I haven't heard Lilo it's yet. Them with the, and Stitch isn't on it, but just Lilo. Just Lilo. Sick, man. Yeah, I've heard that's pretty... The adventure of, of animals through the country. To, yeah, totally. On a journey of metal. Yeah, into space. Ooh, with Satan is their cobra. Lunar Lilo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Our email address is metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. Write into us. We love hearing from our fans. Yep. Tell us your Metallica story. Tell us how funny we are. We don't hate that. Yeah, we love that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, let's get the fuck out of the corner. Yeah, let's go. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more. After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. Well, let's get into Kill Em All. I would love to. Uh, we're just going to bypass all the facts because we've done a lot of deep dives into this. Paul Curcio produced it, of course. This was the Johnny Z days. Yep. The boys made it in New York. Megaforce. Uh, Dave was you know, infamously let go. They flew Kirk out. He learned the songs on the plane. And uh, th- thus born was the Metallica we all know the and love. The rest is, as they say, history. They love to say that. I know. And the rest is history. Here we go. Hit the lights. Pleases me it does to hear Kill em All in Please, its entirety. Pleases me to fade in the trash can, sire. This to me is such like... They were such a live band at this point. I think this intro captures that. Like they probably you know, open their show like this. It sounds like you're seeing a band in a club. You yeah, know, totally. Trash can intro. It's, it's cool. I could kind of do without it. Let's just start right here with a pick scrape. Such a good old Marshall tone. Bing. Ding. Bing. Wow. Wow. This sounds good. Go kick some ass tonight. All right. 
No life to leather, homie. Man, imagine in 83 hearing this, just like, holy shit, what is this music? Like, you know, people were hip to the new wave of British heavy metal, but this was a whole other level of stuff. There's so many little things as a, as a more experienced musician now that I hear, like on that part, the, get, the rhythm stuff is swung and Lars is playing straight. They would never have known that. Yeah, it was like their inexperience at the time, but I think now it's like, it's endearing. And it's a lot about like what they're going to do that night. Yeah, totally. I mean, this and Rad Lining probably have the most ride symbol Lars will ever use. The Ripper. A lot of this lead stuff, if you hear the early demo of this, is him just doing Mustaine's parts. says no life to leather comes from the obsession with leather in the metal scene during the early 80s some deep shit little kiss riff it totally is yeah well it's from the song called she from kiss's uh, 74 debut actually i think she was on uh dress to kill okay don't come at me, Kiss fans. <laughs> I'll eat you fucking alive. Don't, don't email Clint. I mean, track one, he's got the wall on his foot already. He's using it real sparingly there, though. He's not really cocking it back and forth too much. I still immediately like this way better than any other Big Four shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, even Newstead said it. You know, a lot of people have said it. Dave Ellison said it. You know, there's, yeah, there's the big four, but then there's, there's three, and then there's Metallica. Yeah. And it shows on even this first record. His leads in the early days ripped so hard, man. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Yeah, get it, son. I like hearing Cliff in there, too. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> no, James, you mean hello. That was our first yeah, song. first tracks of James. Come on. I mean, probably my favorite song on the record. Ooh, yeah. What's mine? This is a good song that to me that, that almost tells the future of Metallica. There's so many parts of this song to me that are just foreshadowing what they would end up becoming. You get it? It's a galloping riff in a song about the four horsemen. Oh, my God. Speaking of the four horsemen, I went to Weird Al the other night. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, his Nashville to, uh, VIP poster, which I got one, is him as a skull with like his long curly hair, and it says Weird Al in the Metallica font. 
and there's four horsemen at the bottom of it. Love it. It's awesome. Come to take your life. Jazz. Ooh. Choose your fate or die, goddammit. Seriously. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of riffs in this record that when I was first started learning guitar and got into Metallica that there's some riffs in this record that were at the time very challenging but once I got them down it was so exciting as a young guitar player to play along with this record and not the leads but definitely be able to do all the rhythm a lot of motorhead influence yeah I do love that chorus when, when they're kind of just doing the diamonds on the power chords and Cliff's still kind of galloping like a horse. Pleases me to write a song that sounds like horses riding, yes. It pleases me to climb upon my steed and storm the castle of metal. First little left turn here. Meow, meow. I love the broken down ba boo boo ba boo boo ba yeah. boo boo. I mean, this is this song also is a, a, a very early sign of the the power of their arrangements and the left turns they could take and still keep you interested, like going into that part right there. Hold on, we have, I have to read this little anecdote. So the thing with genius okay. lyrics is what we always look at when we look at these. Right, is it's like fans. It's almost like Wikipedia. It's like fan submitted explanations right. and stuff. Here's what this genius wrote. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> He says, the horsemen are coming, but you should at least try to fight back. Get on your horses and go. If you've got a magical sword, you may have a shot. Or it's the horsemen that have those demon swords, and they're going to kill you and all of your fellow warriors. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Consider, consider me enlightened. Cry for the Indians. <laughs> okay. Great riff. Hear Cliff real prominent. Oh yeah, probably that Rickenbacker. Yep. <sighs> Honey, get some olive oil. It's so easy. That last one sounded said pencil lead. Pencil lead. Number two pencils. The reason it's track number two is because it was in reference to the number two pencil. That's right. That doesn't show that on Genie's lyrics. Jeez. This might be my favorite part of the whole record. This is such a, like, like I said before, a foreshadowing of the beauty that Metallica could write. Well, yeah, just the progressive, you know, the prowess. Yeah, Cliff going up right there. Dave Mustaine referred to this as the Sweet Home Alabama section. That's right. Big wheels keep on turning. 
Carry me home to see my kin Singing songs about the Southland Like L.A. <laughs> Miss Alabama, see my friend Well, I'll sing it again Jazz, jazz, you jazz, what. jam Double track solo Yeah You hear all the little differences I know It's a great push-pull to that And little, we're back little in. fade out there. Yeah. Paul Curcio famously said that when he was tracking this with him, he thought it was horrible. This song? Just the record. The material, you know. Yeah, what did I mean Thrash was so new, you know. Yeah, it might have been a thing where he was like, I mean, cool. It's it's heavy metal, but guys, this isn't gonna go anywhere. Well, and like other than other than Anthrax, it was really kind of a Bay Area thing. Yeah. So he's over on the East Coast right. in Jersey. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Johnny Z's like, dude, just cool it. It's going to be great, man. Just Trust cool me, it. man. Hey, l- listen, if you don't dog the record, I'll let you produce the next one. No, I don't like this. This sucks. All right, we're getting someone else. Look, dude, I'll get you into the comedy cellar later. How's let's, that sound? Let's produce this. I can't pay you, but I will give you 50 bucks. To bribe Steve at the door. That's right. And you might meet Judd Apatow as a child. Exactly. He's he's, he's been in this since he was a kid. Come to take your life. Yeah. Ooh. Will the horseman ride? Choose your fate. God damn it! I love this song. I know. It also just instantly makes me wish they would play that bridge section live. You know what I just noticed? What's that? We get the first yeah yeah, which we would see later again before the solo of nothing else matters. Yeah yeah. Goes, yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Jazz. Jazz. Fusion. No no. No. Like the song could easily end here, but no, let's do another ripping solo. I, I love th- that. I think that's a Mustaine written solo. Uh-oh, Clint's pulling guitar out. He's going to try to figure it out. I'll have to try to figure it out. Hey! I used to learn that. Dude. It's really weird. It is. That it is, is a Mustaine thing. Oh, yeah. He does all that sorts of stuff. Scoff. If I had been in this band with this material that young, like that's what we were coming out of the gate with, I would have felt so fucking confident. Yeah. It takes that confidence on the front end. Absolutely. Well, it show it shows in their uh, their live performances back then too. Man, they were they they meant that shit. Uh. This intro makes me think, and you can hear another song too, that they didn't actually have enough microphones for Lars's kit because those high toms sound way quieter. Yeah, yeah. Like, more distant. That or they did the old trick where you put the mic between two toms and you kind of pick up both. This is the only Metallica song that is only credited to James Hetfield. Oh, it doesn't even say Ulrich. No. I love this song. I love your cover of it too. Thank you. Thank you. 
but he wrote it with his buddy. Uh, not Lloyd Grant. Uh, I don't remember. Hugh Tanner. Oh, Hugh, that's right. I wonder if I wonder if he actually has royalties on this song. I don't know. He's not credited, but it's kind of known. Yeah. I mean, this was, I think, from the Leather Charm days. Right, yeah. Or Obsession, whatever those bands were. Yeah. Leather Charm. It's Oh, it says it's one of the only two songs Lars Ulrich doesn't receive a writing credit for. It's also the band's shortest song, clocking in at only three minutes and eight seconds. Crazy. I love the post-chorus riff, man. Yeah. Band of the band of the band of the yeah. band of the... It's so weird and chaotic. Kind of sounds like The Offspring. A little bit, yeah. Smash is the way you deal with your life. We were listening to that before uh, we started recording. I got it on vinyl. I love it. I'm missing what life's about. Only live once, so take hold of the chance. It just reminds me of that performance from the Orion Festival where they came out as Dehan and played oh, yeah. this front to back. That is a fucking killer bootleg, man. Oh, yeah. It's great. That little pick scrape right there that sounds like it's going through a talk box, it's so weird and random. Now, I believe this riff is a Mustaine riff. Well, yeah. Sounds like one. Well, Mustaine claims that he wrote this whole thing. Uh, lyrics and everything? Yeah, but, you know, I think Lars is quoted as saying that, like the mechanics, the original lyrics were like sexual innuendos. Oh, uh, okay. And then they kind of retooled it, you know? Yeah. I love how the bass goes down. Or up. It goes both, actually. <laughs> Whatever. It goes somewhere. <laughs> and this is a very Ace Fraley sounding solo. Along with, like, Creeping Death, this is, like, one of their two or three just blatantly evil songs. Right, yeah. Well, and the single artwork is definitely evil. It's a big oh, yeah. demon right. in hell. Come on! Great riff. Oh, so good. And right there, that's a, yeah. the fire. Come on! Yeah, that's what Cliff does. The first half, he goes down. Come on, guys! We're gonna jump in the fire. Come on! It's cold outside. Let's jump in the fire pool. Tell your mom to eat your shorts. What do you mean homework? There's a video of them like on the Madly and Anger with the World Tour. 
where they're wanting to play it that night. Yeah. It was like Lars's idea, or someone had requested it, and Kirk is like in the dressing room listening to it on a burned CD <laughs> to try to like relearn it. Right. He's like, someone's bidding him do it. You know. He's yeah. Like, wow. I mean, yeah, I don't know the last time they played this song live. Um, I can tell you. How? Knowledge. Knowledge. So many cool influences from the new wave of British heavy metal. You can hear Judas Priest in this. You can hear Iron Maiden in this. It's been played 91 times. Most recently performed in Berkeley, California in April of 2016. Oh, that was uh, Record Store Day. Right. They did that at Rasputin, yeah. Before that, it was 2013 in Detroit at the Orion, at the Dayhan show. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, 91 times is not a lot for Metallica. For how many shows they played over the years? No, so, like when you look at Puppets and Bells and, and, uh, oh, yeah. and Creep, it's like 1,300. Right. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Billy. Come on. It's cold outside. I want to jump in the fire. I don't think I should jump in the fire, though. Come on. We, we'll, I'll bring s'mores. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> I'll bring the graham crackers. I'll bring the, um, I'll bring the chocolate. It is cool to hear like the sixteenth note beat on on the drums that Lars is doing. Not there, but on the main riff, he does sixteenth notes on the hi hat with Cliff doing that thing. It's like this kind of—I hate to say the word—kind of disco-y kind of thing. Now I'm saying. Nah, I'm saying, ma. A lot of outro solos on this record. Yeah, kind of like uh, we don't know what else to do. But we want the song to be longer. Kirk, just solo. Well, Lars, like, especially in the Puppets and Justice era, he would say he would look at how long the songs were, and he would constantly want to be adding more, right. them longer and longer. Yeah. Well, that, they succeeded by Justice. Well, that, yeah, it definitely got a little out of hand on Justice. Put a little Nashville fade on that. No big deal. That's probably what they were going for back then. Nashville fade? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, they were definitely trying to tap into the... Yeah, they were kind of tired of the Bay Area thrash thing. They were really trying to tap into what was happening. Yeah, uh, early 80s Nashville. You know, the, the Clint Blacks and the... Uh, yeah, Tony Tucker the, stuff. Uh, Alabamas and... Yeah. The... Freaking, you, you, you put a damn bass solo in your record that became one of the most iconic parts of your band and sounds from your band. Well, I, I bet it's one of the first things they saw him do when they went and saw Trauma right. at, in San Francisco and... They also probably needed to fill the album. Right, yeah. They may have had enough songs, so they're like, hey, Cliff, why don't you do that thing in the Watsman drums at the end? Which that's kind of the part I don't love. That's just when it starts to feel a little unfocused. A little forced. Love it. It's like you just fucking stepped on a cat. (laughs) Hopefully not my poor sweetie Lucius. He's a cat now? 
Well, honey, no, but maybe he'd sound like a cat if he stepped Does on he him. Does he identify as a cat? Honey, he's transitioning from a dog to a cat. Oh, bless him. And we need to be more aware of our doggy LBGTQ dogs <laughs> who, are honey, are transitioning from breed to breed. Sometimes it happens. I'm not saying that's what trans is. No, no that's one, not at all. We're, we're not saying that at all. We loved our trans folks. Absolutely. Someone wrote in once and said that we were being insensitive to trans people. I remember that, yeah. I guess it doesn't matter that like I have friends who are trans. I guess reality doesn't matter when you're a keyboard warrior and you yeah. just want to be outraged by something. Right. Reality yeah. and facts don't matter. Right. No, not at all. My best friend Aaron, growing up, his younger brother Michael, it's just interesting because you know I grew up with these kids. Right. Well, Michael's Elizabeth now. Yeah. And uh, she's a nurse in Austin, Texas, and that's cool. Living her life, having a good time. Good. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Man, if you're happy, then that's you know, I'm happy for you. I, I'm 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 with you. It, I support it, it, you. I, I don't have any. It is a unique challenge, though. Even if you're like on board with all that and really sensitive to it, as you and I both are. Right. It is. It is a big transition for the people in your life who love you. Also, you know, I knew him as Michael for 25 years. Sure. And so there was a sense to it. And I talk with my buddy Aaron, who's his brother, a lot. Is like, there's a sense where you have to sort of say goodbye to Michael. Yeah. And get to know Elizabeth because. It's 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 in a, in a way trying to maybe get to know a new person, you know. Well, she's yeah. I mean, she's finally who she always wanted to be. Right. And yeah, it is kind of like cool, man. Let's yeah. figure out who you are. Let's let's get into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You want to be there with them and be supportive the whole time. And of course, in a lot of ways, she's not that different. She still loves the same music, and right. We still have all the same stories and memories. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the Lars part of this. Feel- this is when it starts to feel kind of jammy. It does, yeah. If there was no drums here, I think I I'd still would be like digging because there's some cool shit Cliff plays in there. I love that climbing. Yeah. It's like what James said when they first heard them walking yeah. into the club. They thought it was a lead guitar player. Yeah. He even had some super high notes up here coming up where I could see that you would think it would be a guitar. Right there. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, great, great ending to side A if you're listening to it on vinyl. Just a total wall of sound. <laughs> I love it. Before we get into Whiplash, I wanted to read this little excerpt from uh, Kirk. He's talking about the song. He, he was talking to Metal Hammer. He says, I remember him recording his bass solo separately from anyone or anything. He was upstairs in this big empty room, standing there alone, just him and his bass amp. I watched him play while the, let's see, watched him play while the sound was getting set right downstairs in the control room. After 15 or 20 minutes, he got the sound right, and then he looked at me and said, get away from me, man. I'm about to do this. (laughs) Then he took a hit off a joint, bent over, and drank a beer, and I hightailed it out of there. (laughs) He must have had a look in his eye. 
He's, yeah, he's about to get in the zone. He said to Kurt, get away from me, man. Get away from me, man. I'm about to do this, dude. I wonder if he at any point had a little bit of a hesitation to like, you know, be riding in front of the guys or something. Or or maybe he, maybe that was his deal. He had to be alone. Like he had to really get in his own headspace and, and not have any distractions. Because like, I'm that way sometimes when I write. Even if I know someone's in the next room, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or above my studio, I, I can't focus. Right. I, I know they're there. Right. You know, maybe that was how he was in the studio. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel that that way too before i was able to buy a house you know i spent a lot of my time in apartments and Mm -hmm. trying to write and be creative my first apartment in birmingham i had a a beautiful upright piano that i would try to write in and i would even have our neighbors sometimes come over and be like oh i love hearing it when you play and when you write i love hearing your process and i can hear through the halls but even knowing that it didn't bother them it was still hard to do yeah yeah like if i heard them go out the door and leave i'm like okay i can write now yeah, for sure. I have a second. You know, absolutely. I can yeah. finish the bridge. Mom and Dad has left. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, whiplash. Whiplash. Welcome to Patreon. We are. Uh... <laughs> hey, we're hoping you join the Metal of Tales from the Road exactly. series. I'm Clint Wells. Giddy up. Giddy up. I don't know where that came from. Just uh, imp- improv. You know where it came from? It came from your subconscious. It came from my soul. So, I mean, I think we need to do some exploring there. Ooh, I think you're right. Welcome to our new series, Exploring Ethan Luck's Soul. <laughs> I think that pound for pound, this is the thrash. This is the thrash song. Yeah. This is the one that like, like, what's thrash metal? Never heard of it. Listen to Whiplash. You're going to play Whiplash. This is definitely what the new Lunar Satan song sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of vibe. I love it. I love it. That's the riff. Just one one hit. A feeling of a hammerhead. Not my tempo. Anybody? Movie Whiplash? Yes. I didn't like it. Really? I enjoyed it. I watched it on a plane. Half a, uh, I was kind of Watching tired. an old decrepit asshole be mean to a kid yeah. for nothing. I liked it. I don't know. Well, you're in good company because I think it won an Oscar. It did, and yeah. Many people loved it quite right. a lot. There was a great thing, speaking of Whiplash, in uh, Weird Al's show. He does these video transitions to do costume changes. And there was one where it's that scene from the movie Whiplash where he's like, nope, not my tempo. Let's try it again. Five, six, seven, eight. And it's <laughs> instead of the drummer, it's Weird Al with his accordion. Uh, it's so good. That J.K. Simmons guy like does insurance commercials now or something. Yeah, he does Farmers. So lame. He does it, he, I mean, he still does movies and stuff. He probably got paid a good amount to do those commercials. Yeah, but what is he, just a fucking money whore? He's going to pretend to be a fucking I don't farmer know. now? I have no idea. But I like that actor. He was great in Juno. You ever see that movie? Yeah, I didn't like, like it. Ellen Page. I didn't love the movie, but I liked him in it. Whiplash, Dad! Hell yeah. I like that the lyric here is on Genius Lyrics. Bridge, here we go. Here we go. Dad! 
very foreshadowing of like justice. Big time. Well, like how many of these like pentatonic shred solos can you do before you're sort of forced to try to just do something sounds different right, right here, yeah. you know? Climbing. He loves that climbing stuff. Oh yeah. Newburn. Little yellow. Cause you're Metallica. Oh, we are. No, seriously, son. I'm I named you Metallica. Oh you're my Ma- god. No. Son, your name is Metallica Wells. Good luck applying to college. Right. He had a scream back then. A little angsty. He went for a wah-wah instead of a yeah-yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Phantom Lord. The Phantom Lord pleases me. It does to present to you. Mm, Dane, I to worship thee, Phantom Lord. Yes. Yes, of course. I bide my time. I wonder if it was weird for them. Like, I don't know whose idea it was to have that synth, synth- uh, synthesizer in there going. Probably Cliff. I wonder, Maybe Cliff or maybe the producer. I don't think that dude was hands-on in the way a traditional yeah. producer is. I think he basically just engineered it. This shit. Oh. This was taken from James's first band. The band was called Phantom Lord. Awesome. Thanks, Phantom Lord. <laughs> Thank well, you, Phantom Lord. We owe thee. We are Phantom Lord. Thank you. <laughs> What are they eating? Leather? Uh, they're they're pretty obsessed with leather on this Just record. Chewing so. on leather, leather and fire and, and and moshing. To control the land. <laughs> it's a real weird drum thing. Uh, that I just honed in on the guitar thing. <laughs> It is cool to see at the 30th anniversary shows when Mustaine's up there playing with the guys. Oh, it's so awesome. He nails it. Admit they really are describing a pretty frightening evening. Not a date I would want to go on. Oh shit! There's a fucking bewinged phantom lord demon that wants me to eat leather. Damn it! Fuck! This I'm, sucks. Damn it! I just went vegetarian too. Pleases me not to have you eat the meat of the cow. No, it's skin you must chew. This is that's great. Boom. I love this. I don't. Go, go. I don't know if I either noticed or forgot that there's acoustic guitar in there. Listen, you can hear it on that. Yeah, you're right. Isn't it? Uh, it sounds acoustic. It could to me. be a clean electric. 
That actually That's... sounds like a clean electric to me. Oh, uh, there's acoustic right there. There it is. Oh, here's the acoustic. Yeah, yeah. right here. Well, you can't get that chugga-chugga without an acoustic guitar. We you all know have that. To, especially a 12-string, yeah. <laughs> more strings, the better. Well, the more strings there are, the, the more distorted it sounds. Exactly. That's, we all know that's how it works. Come on. We've been doing this a long time. I almost would love to hear that bridge a little more elaborated on. It kind of came and went too quick. It makes total sense, too, that, like, punk rockers were into this record, too. Absolutely. Because it's not just, like, metal. It's it's punk. It's thrash. It's metal. It's melodic. It's so many things. It's but kind I, of the whole package. Yeah, it really is. The leathered armies have prevailed. Yeah, they have. I'll say. <laughs> Please. Yeah, cry of war. Cry for the Indians. What is it that they chant? Cry? Cry, cry, yeah. Still my favorite Anthrax song. Yeah, there you go. Your knees. <clears throat> okay. Okay. I wonder if at any point in the future Hetfield listening to the song was like, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Fall to your knees and bow to the Phantom Lord. When they were doing the box set for Kill 'em All, he famously said, like, who's that chick singing? <laughs> I mean, he had a high voice back then, man. I love how this song starts with groove. Also worthy of note, the Phantom Lord belongs with Jump in the Fire and Creeping Death as another one of their evil songs. Right, yeah. I mean, that's probably why they were so accessible to people as opposed to Slayer or Megadeth was that their, all their songs weren't about the devil or hell or evil shit, you know? Uh, it, was, it was less easy to write off. A lot of Kill em All is about the culture of metal in right. the Bay Area at that time. Yeah. So it, it gave their fans a sense of community and identity. For sure. Because that's what they dressed like. That's what they did. That's how they talked. Right. But, you know, with, when it comes to like a band like Slayer, it's like I can only listen to so many songs about... Oh, I know. Evil shit. I know. <clears throat> I love them, but... I'm surprised they didn't call a song hella cool. <laughs> you can hear the slapback of that yeah. in the right ear. I love that riff. Ba-ba-bum. ab 5 that's my. That's the guitar lesson for the show, guys. Thank you. Now you know how to I'll, play. I'll, uh, I'll look for the invoice in the mail. Yeah, I'll throw the tab up online. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey. look at us. Jinx, buy me a Coke. Buy me a Coke. Jinx, buy me cocaine. <laughs> Jinx, you have a cocaine. No we don't care what it meant. Another breath. Go ahead and hit him with a double chorus. Why not? Another 
And I, this would be a good one to see currently. Absolutely. I think a great live song. Any of these deep cuts would be a treat to see. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like that this one has more of a plotting groove rather than just like speed metal up your ass. You right, know? yeah. Something too, man, on Kill 'em All, it wasn't all just like 200 BPM every right. song. It's like there was groove like this. Damn it. Damn it, that's so heavy. Yeah. That's almost like a precursor to Pantera or something. Well, I've made the... Well, first of all, they were fans of this early shit, Pantera was. Oh, yeah. Like, they were big fans of Whiplash and stuff. Right. But the song Primal Concrete Sledge on Cowboys from Hell sounds like the chorus of Phantom Lord. Yeah. Hear the cry of war louder, you know. Yeah. Come and be with me, twist my twisted dream. Yeah, totally. That was great. Cool bass coming here. Nice. You know what, Cliff? Nice. Cliff, that last pass you did? Nice. <laughs> He's like, get away from me, man. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm about to do this. I like Kirk's tone on this record. I do. T- I mean, everything about the guitar tones are very aggressive, very in your face, just cut through like crazy. He's got a great crunch, but his his solos have that great kind of double tracked sound. Yeah. Good amount of reverb. So random, just yeah, it is random. You almost have to be young and dumb to write that shit. Yeah. There's, it's similar to the Black Album where the deep cuts on this record are so good. Yeah. It's just that the the ones that stood out are that much better. That's just how good it is. Right, exactly. I mean, this coming you know coming out you know around the same time as what maybe Hell Awaits and uh, early Anthrax would be like Armed and Dangerous and uh, uh, Fistful of Metal. I mean, this is... I love Anthrax, but this is, to me, like leaps and bounds above that. And this shit... Uh... Also, I guess really their first sort of war protest song. Yeah. Can you imagine being like 16 years old and hearing this for the first time and going to see them live? It'd just be like, like in a club. Oh my god! On the like, on the all for one Raven tour, I mean, sitting down in the parking lot with your, with your buddies, drinking a bunch of Bud Heavy. Hell yeah! In there and just fucking start pitting and just going crazy. Coors Heavy. I said Bud Heavy or Coors Heavy. I know that you said Bud Heavy. Uh, what's the, what's the other one? Uh, what's the other nickname for 
not Coors Light. Uh, what, I thought it was called Coors Heavy. I always heard Bud Heavy. Well, Bud Heavy is Budweiser. Yeah. Yeah, Budweiser, but Bud Heavy is what I always heard. Interesting little dun, tag there. Dun, 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 dun. Pretty good deep cut. They play this live. <laughs> I was on the bus uh, this week, and some of the guys were like, "I was talking about how Metallica had songs," and yeah. one of the guy kind of challenged me on it. Oh. He was like, "He was like, you think their first couple of records had songs?" And I was like, <laughs> "Come on!" First of all. Well, first of all, did you get did you get the mop out the fucking mop? I, I didn't even know where to begin to ass. I didn't know where to begin to annihilate this guy. Yeah. Like, first of all, their second record has bona fide classics yes. from the Beltolls, "Creeping Death," "Fade to Black." My God, yeah. But I was like, I'll even go further, motherfucker. And this is the first song I played. Yeah, I said, dude. Oh, hold on. All, all right. right. I said, when we get, by the time we get the chorus of one of this, if you're telling me this isn't a catchy song, I'll fucking eat my butt. <laughs> I will remove a few ribs. Let's put and it eat this way: pie. no butt eating was done that evening. Yeah. The next morning, however, for breakfast. Well, I like a high protein diet. Yeah, well, that's the hotel to offer. So. Scanning the scene in HQ2 tonight. Yes. There's an evil feeling in our brains. Newbert. Noodle. Yellow. Different. Dad. Yeah, catchy chorus. Sorry, guy who Clint knows. I was like, sorry, dude, they're still selling out stadiums where 50,000 people sing this chorus. So yeah. you're telling me they don't have songs? Fuck you. Yeah. We weren't really mad at each other. It was a friendly... Damn it, I wanted you to be. Kind of a friendly fuck I was kind of hoping you weren't talking until the next weekend. Well, these are my friends. Yeah, I know. But... They're just dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> and all listening right now, aren't they? Probably. Like, hey, I mentioned you guys on the podcast this week. They break their fucking pelvises yeah, we trying, trying to listen to it. We were making fun of you guys oh, the whole show. This is the end. Say goodbye to the world you live in. Goodbye, Dad. Now you can run it. I don't know why they didn't do snap tracks. I know. Listen to this. Nice, right? Yeah, it's perfect. Cha-cha-cha. Sadie Hawkins dance. Ho-ho-ho. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't be embarrassed by that. I didn't write that song. You will be embarrassed by it. Damn it. I am now. He can destroy. Are you motherfuckers ready for the next part? Because that's fucking crazy. <laughs> woo. Love it. I love when you go, woo. It's almost like you're climbing the roller coaster, and right when it starts to go down, you're like, woo. It's just like. Which that's, to me, what it feels like. 
I can't, it's like, I can't even help it. It's involuntary. It yeah. just leaps out of me. This song still excites me, man. Rip it. That's some good note choices. I in love there. that right there, yeah. There's a lot Cla- of lot of note choices right Classic there. Classic Kirk. Yeah. I think he just played every note on the fretboard. He did, yeah. It's a scientific fact. He literally I love science. Yes. Science bitch. See, there's all those weird things where it like almost falls apart. Yeah. Are you guys ready to kick it into verse three? Yes, we are. How many? How much Nuprin do you think we've sold from the podcast? Oh God. I, well, I can tell you this: I know there's a lot less headaches in the world. Yeah. Perfect for head after a night of uh, when you have bangover. Yeah, you have bangover. That's what you need. It is safe to say that there's not really much here lyrically on the whole record, really. I mean, yeah. I, I, There's not really anything to point to. I think you nailed it earlier by saying this is, this is a good representation of kind of what was happening in the Bay Area in the early 80s. Like, our brains really are on fire with the feeling to kill. <laughs> See, another thing they could have done here is gone a little Beatlesy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know, you know. Made a little Mellotron in there. That would have been on AM radio. Easily had oh, they done that. Absolutely. They should have gotten George Martin in there. First Monaco laughter. Great that that's become a sing along now. Doing that thing you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell, Tell you something. something. It's like there was like a leftover riff or two. They're like, just throw on the end of that one. Sure. And it's rad. But it's that attention to detail that keeps you from getting kind of like numbed out or bored. Right. When I write the Lunar Satan stuff, I'm always thinking about that. Like, the three-minute package in me is like, yeah. I'm done. But the metal in me is like, nope, yeah. nope, Keep come going. up with something else. Alright, this is, I still love it, it's probably one of my least favorite Metallica songs. This one is? Well, well, pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I love this song. Thunder and lightning, the gods take revenge. Senseless destruction. Victims of fury are cowardly now. Stabbing the harlot to pay for her sins. Did Carrie King write these lyrics? Yes, yeah, seriously. (laughs) 
Let's spit out the bone. Yeah, dude. This is one of their fastest songs, for sure. Yeah. That's like a riff that could have been in the Wayne's World soundtrack. <laughs> Doesn't that sound kind of like... No Meta Militia. Dude, this is Crucial Taunt. Denied. Yeah. I'll play the May I Help You riff. May I help you? <laughs> May I help you? They weren't really very concerned with rhyming any of this. Yeah. But you know what? When I was young and getting in this record, I didn't care. No, no, no. It's nothing that none of that bothered me, which why doesn't bother me now. I'm joining the metal militia in San Francisco. You said you wanted me to serve our country, and I'm going to do it. We don't use guns, Dad. We use guitars. <laughs> we use basses and drums, too. My axe is a guitar. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite riff in the song. Ba-da-ba-da. Sounds kind of mustany. Well, he co-wrote this. It, this one, yeah. Especially that. The metalization of your inner soul. Ooh. <laughs> Another one of those. This whole record really is just a kick to the face. It really yeah, it's a kick to the nuts. It's a kick to other parts of the body, too. Any you're, part you're, you could be here for unmentioned. It's a kick to the nuts with one of Carrie King's porcupine shin bracelets on. I want to get a signed porcupine shin anklet bracelet. I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Oh, boom, 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 boom. Look, dude, for like half a bar, can you just pedal the bass? Okay. He's like, sure. Yeah, man. Just leave me alone. I'm about to do this, man. <laughs> weird hat. All that's real weird to me. And they just kind of were like, yeah, there's a weird little in there. Let's do that again. It's climbing. Listen to this hat. You just hear that hat? Yeah. There's a man in the back with a vow to die, but the showman has got to the sky. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like that last Ballroom song in Wayne's World? Ballroom Blitz, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leather and metal. <laughs> Zang. <laughs> you learn Cantonese, Campbell. I'm impressed. <laughs> Out of the way, dweeb. Whoa! Whoa! 
What does he say? Ow. Ow. <laughs> they're, I love how they're, like, their big production thing on this album is at the end of the song, they bring in the sound of like a marching army. Right, yeah. They're like, dude, it's going to be so fucking deep. It's going to be sick. It'll be like the sound of an actual fucking metal militia, yeah, bro. Instead of, but instead of guns, it's guitars. It'll be hella deep, bro. Hella deep, dude. Whoa. They're coming. They're coming to take your leather away. That's right. That's you like That was like their big fear, like the NRA. Like, They're going to take our leather away. We want, our, we want our leather and our studded belts. We will not be replaced. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're the little toy guns they had laying around. Well, there it is. We did it. Kill them all. We did it. We did it not do it. It's not like we didn't do it. We did it. We actually did. We, we did, did it. it. I don't know where you're going with that. We, we did, did it. it. <laughs> wow. God, did Boys to Men just show up? When <laughs> we go to the end of the road, till I can't let go, it's, it's unnatural. You belong to me. <laughs> I belong to oh you. Oh my god, dude! I think we—I do think I just heard the sound of maybe I don't know seven thousand subscribers getting off the ride. It's so hard to, to say, say goodbye, goodbye to Dave Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What's wow. crazy is we're about to segue into the Lunar Satan Jam. I know. Well, look, kill them all. What can we say? I mean, it's. Badass. It's just total badassery. It really is. No joke. I mean, it, there's nothing to be embarrassed. You know, they don't really hit the first embarrassment until 2003, and then the Lulu shit that followed. That's like really the first embarrassment. I mean, to me, that's the only really era of the band where I'm like, man, eh, I'm, I'm fine without that. Right. You know? But I mean, again, I've come around to a few songs on Saint Anger, so you know, there's still some there's still some gems in there. They're a band that has consistently in the span of 38 years have put out kick-ass shit. And it's just so cool to go back to the to the very beginning and see that the power was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's it's easy to like sort of rewrite a narrative from hindsight. But right. Just to imagine all that and where that's all they had on the table and just them getting in that fucking conversion van and going on tour with Raven and playing clubs yeah. and, you know, meeting Malago and, and Johnny Z and make, striking a deal with him and getting to the next level after mm-hmm. Lightning and then the Puppets and then Ozzy and then they made the video for one and then moving into... Th- I mean, it's just... It's insane, yeah. It's just to see what really the, the you know, the kickstart, the fucking first firing. Yep. And to see that those songs are still so good that they can play them 38 years later in stadiums. Yeah, and people still sing along. They still have power. They still have it's substance cool. and meaning. It's great. It's really cool. Love it. Well, that was really fun. I had, I had a, a good time with you. I did. Now, we're going to send you off with uh, the new Lunar Satan Jam. I sent this to, as soon as I got the mix, I sent this to the patrons. And there there are plans to press this on vinyl in the fall, and everyone will be able to buy that. But as soon as these songs are ready, I give them to the patrons. So yeah. if you become a patron today, you're going to get Cover Our Black in Volume 1 and 2. When Volume 3 drops, you're going to automatically get that, and you're going to get the Lunar Satan Jams. Yeah. And you get a bonus song from your Let It Burn record. Yep, that's on there. So there's all sorts of reasons to get on the Patreon train, in my opinion. I think right, yeah. I, you know, I'm a patron of a couple of podcasts, and uh, I've checked a lot of that out. And a lot of people have a lot of cool creative incentives over there. But honestly, ours is pretty dope. Who's recording songs for you? Right. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. 
Okay. Not now, so. the story of this song is, uh, I don't really know how or why I wrote it. Usually I write the Lunar Satan jams when a, a co-write cancels. Yeah. So I have the whole day. I'm not really, um, when it comes to music, I'm not lazy. I'm pretty much lazy in every other area of life. <laughs> but when it comes to music, I, I fucking hunker down and work really hard. Right, yeah. So instead of taking the day off or taking it, going back to sleep or whatever, I wrote this song and um, I had the idea to reach out to Brian King in the band Reality Suite. Right, yeah. Because I've heard Reality Suite, I'm a fan of their band, and um, I knew he was a, a kick-ass drummer. Mm-hmm. And you know their records sound good. I don't know. I didn't know what his recording situation. They're based out of New Jersey, right. literally New Jersey, literally. So I reached out to him and was just like taking a, the temp on that, to see if he would be interested, if he even had a setup. And he's like, Yeah, I have a, I have a studio set up with a, a partner of mine, and uh, I would love to do it. Yeah. And so I sent it off to him, and then I thought of our friend Chris Kakamis. Kakamisi? I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. He the, lives on the, Ka- uh, the Bass Channel. From right? the Bass Channel, yeah. which is a really cool uh, like gear YouTube channel. It's called the Bass Channel. Go check it out. They right. review pedals and, and shit. And, and I knew he was a dope bass player, too. So he, And he's on the West Coast in California. Yeah. So to have these two dudes who are fans and patrons of the show become a part of it. It's so cool. It, it just lit a fire under my ass because what those two dudes, by the way, fucking nailed it they killed it on these and yeah. they completely legitimized in my opinion lunar satan and like i'm a capable bass player and the programming was okay but to have these dudes bring their years of experience mm-hmm. and their yeah. and their flavor too because they each um you know i've sort of produced it from here right through, yeah. through emails and stuff but they brought a lot of their own flavor to the tracks and I've kept all, I kept, you know, most of their ideas that were a little different. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this kind of feel here. Or Chris saying, I'm going to chug through this section here. Right. Kept, kept it all, loved it, and got Paul Moak on board to mix it. That's awesome. And and the results were so fucking dope that we I'm re-recording the other three songs Yeah. with Chris and Brian, and Paul's going to mix all of those. EP. So the EP, How Like a Wolf and a Witch Will Open the Door, will be coming this fall. <laughs> I love it. And so anyway, as a, as a parting gift, and a thank you for your patience for us missing last week, we wanted to leave you all with the new Lunar Satan Jam. It's called Voices. And it is awesome. All right, peace. Adios.
say, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> 